Welcome in to the Green and White Report special edition on a Monday morning, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. We're recording this on Sunday because obviously we're doing this remotely. Ryan Collins, Trent Bailey, and our producer, Henry Menegos. How are we doing today, TB? I'm doing great. What a time to be uh, a Michigan State fan. Not saying that I am, but um, yeah, yeah, I am. Go to the so, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, it's, it's fantastic. It's awesome. Uh, 3-0 yesterday. So we got plenty of stuff to talk about, but I'm doing great. This is our first show after Thanksgiving. Yeah. So how was I, how was everyone's Thanksgiving? I was gonna ask you guys over under six pounds you guys gained this week. I think mine is like I might have gained like twelve pounds this week in the last like four days. Well, yeah. I mean, for me, it's like I parlay the food with like a, you got a lot of plans with the family. You don't really have much time, and I yeah. haven't been able to work out a lot. So then you kind of just you, you it. it it's not the a good food, combination. The drink, it, it yeah. overwhelms you. It overwhelms yeah, the drink, you. that's another factor. It's Plus just, just watching the, football all day. Yeah, you're just yeah you, blo- you bloat a little bit. You get a little bloated. I'll say that. I feel bloated right now. Perfect word, Trent. Perfect word. But, bloated. Yeah, I mean, Thanksgiving, I'm, I, I'm thankful the Lions fired Matt Patricia. And, oh, uh, my gosh, yeah. Boy, do we have stuff to talk about today. Yeah, got, I mean, got to see an implosion on Thanksgiving from the Lions where they basically gave up in the fourth quarter, which, I mean, hey, all things considered, it kind of worked out. We'll talk about that a little later in the show when we dive into the NFL. But, I mean, I was happy. Good Thanksgiving. Mom made a great great meal. She, listen to this, though. My mom forgot to put sugar in the pumpkin pie, so it was inedible. Like we, she literally, I came upstairs, like I didn't even get to try it. I came upstairs. She's like, no, this is not up to my standard. She like threw okay. it out. Listen, this is, this is upsetting to me because I know you have talked about your mom's pumpkin pie before. I, I, she's not, I, she, that's like not her go-to. She, I mean, she can make them with the best of them, but that is not her go-to. I'll say that. But still, nonetheless, a little, little disappointing, but that's okay. Shout out to your yeah. mom. She made a fantastic meal. Fantastic dinner. So we let it slide. Oh, yeah. But no sugar and pie. I mean, I can't I can't even imagine what that would taste like. I didn't like. get I to try it. Much. I didn't get to try it. It was thrown <laughs> okay, away. Well, Hank, how's the UP? It is not too bad, man. I'm I'm heading out today. So that's I don't know if we're doing what made you mad, but the, the nine hour drive is is on the on the dome. So what do you do with the nine hour drive? Like what, what, what do you, you got a couple podcasts you, or is it just yeah. all, the, all the way through? No, you, you definitely got shuffled up a little podcast action, a couple different playlists, a couple different genres. You know, I just gotta, you gotta keep it fresh on the way down. Okay. 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 So that's what makes you mad. Yeah. I'm going to go with that this week. Okay. Oh, well, made me mad. Like black Friday. What? Like, why is that a thing? I don't yeah, know. I don't really know. It kind of just came and went this year. Usually it's a big deal, and obviously it's probably because of the shutdown, but it was like I completely forgot it was Black Friday until about 7 p.m. I just don't get it. Like, why? Why do we do that? I, I get I, it. Like, it, it. We got to be like, hey, we got to get all these like things that we've been trying to sell for Christmas. We got to get a majority of the like stock out as quick as possible, like whatever. Why don't we do it like for three days? How about everyone settles down It's like, hey – we have this whole Thanksgiving weekend. It's like Black Weekend. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't, I, I that would work. Better. Especially because they they already do Cyber Monday. So it's like, well, what the hell are we supposed to do Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, just not shop. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Stupid. I don't get it. I'm not, I never have. Well, also, I don't get people wait, like, 
waking up or like even on Thanksgiving going to wait in Best Buy's line. Like that's psycho. I'll never do that. Yeah, I, I don't get it either. I've never gone Black Friday shopping. I bought something on Black Friday, if that makes sense. But I've never like gone shopping for Black Friday. Uh, one time, me and my cousins and my brothers just went to Meyer at like midnight on Black Friday to get ingredients for cookies. I think it was. We needed like stuff. And then I saw this Detroit Lions jacket, the infamous Detroit Lions jacket that I always wear. And it was at Meyer. So I bought it because it was on sale for Black Friday. But whatever. I've never actually gone shopping. What's up? How were the cookies? Oh, they were great. My grandma makes fantastic sugar cookies and she has like homemade frosting and it's my favorite. That's unreal. I tried to make them this year and it didn't turn out. So that that's on that me, though. Thing that kind of sucked about this thing, Jimmy. Didn't really get to see the extended family this year. But, hey, right. you, you got to do. But what made you mad this week, TB? Yeah, okay. What made me mad this week was that I covered the Michigan State basketball game last night. And when people listen to this, it will be Saturday night. Um, and there is no free media meal anymore. You have to pay oh. for the food. Which, you know what, it makes sense. I'm not mad at the university for doing that because they still make their money on concessions then. But it's just like, you know, usually I'm looking forward to a nice dinner at the Breslin before the game and I don't have to really plan on either spending money or having to make something myself. And then, you know, it's just a little different this year. You can go get like a hot dog or a pretzel or something like that. But and you know how like stadium food is. It's all like... Yeah the price is jacked way up. So that just stinks. But like I, I like I said, I understand, but it was kind of just a, a gut punch. It is and a gut punch. And initially and when I, I got the like, receipt, I saw it was $10 for a pretzel and a water. I was like, okay, uh, I guess this is how it's going to be this year. Well, I think it's even more of a gut punch for like a student media because like student media, like you look forward to covering a game at the Breslin because you're like, Ooh, I'm going to get some good mac and cheese. Might get some nice mats. Like you look forward to that, but you understand there's the, obviously like cup bats right now during the pandemic. So that's not going to happen. It's not something you're like mad about, but like, right. It's something you kind of look forward to. It's kind of a bummer. I, I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For, for what made me mad this week, it's, it's more of a, what was a bummer for you this yes. week? Yes. I mean, that's, that's like, were you like locked in? You're like, oh, I'm going to get a good meal or yes. didn't eat before? Locked in. I did not eat before, no. So oh. I ended up just eating a pretzel. Did you go to McDonald's which, after? No, I actually went to, it was my friend's 21st. I drove all the way back to GR oh. and then they made chicken nuggets in the oven, like a bunch of them. So I had, I had a bunch of those. If they're not Whatever. I mean, were they dino nuggets or anytizers? No, they were not dinos, but they were, I don't dino know what brand they were. Dino nuggets are good. They were delicious. I had a lot of them with ketchup. Okay. But anywho, anywho. Yeah. yeah. That, was our that, was our, that was our chicken nugget talk for yeah. the White Report. But let's move on. Big story out of East Lansing yesterday, the game before you covered Trent. Michigan State football beats number nine Northwestern 29 to 20. It really was a three-point game. Michigan State scores a touchdown on the very final play after Northwestern tries to do a bunch of laterals. Rocky Lombardi surprisingly starts. I didn't think a lot of people who covered the team thought he was going to be the guy who gets a nod first. Rocky starts as 11 for 27, 167 yards, two TDs, one INT. 
actually was good on the ground for the first time all season. 10 carries, Great. 65 yards. Connor Hayward has 24 carries, 96 yards. He was really good yesterday. And yeah. he, he's gotten a lot of flag from the Michigan State fan base. Really, oh, he's so slow. Where's Eli Collins and all that? He had a nice game, 96 yards, had a lot of tough yards. Eli Collins played pretty well. I think he had 13 carries for 36 yards. Jalen Naylor, obviously, with the really long touchdown yesterday. Jalen Naylor had three receptions, 99 yards, one TD. Shaq Brown on the defensive side of the ball has two really nice interceptions. The first one was kind of weird because you're like, oh, that's coming back. That's a PI. And then they picked the flag up. I think Mel Tucker had a little influence on that PI call, not being called a PI. Antoine Simmons and Angelo Gross have really nice games on the defensive side of the ball. And this Angelo Gross at number 15, I mean, he was all over your screen yesterday for about a quarter and a half. So, and he's a freshman. So that's a positive sign if you're a Michigan State fan. But I mean, Michigan State defense also had three turnovers, yeah. interceptions, and a huge fumble after Rocky Lombardi threw a bad interception to Patty Fisher. But I mean, looking at this win, I, I don't know how to feel. Like it was exciting. You're like, okay, that was nice. That was nice. But I, I, I don't know. I, it's definitely a stepping stone. How about that? It's a, it's a stepping yeah. stone for the rebuild. I'm not going to say it's a major leap. Because I'm not, I, I'm at the point of this season, especially in this COVID college football season, where I'm not going to take things too like seriously. And, grain of salt, grain of salt all day long. Yeah, like yeah, they beat a top ten team at home and stuff like that. But like, it's different when there's like you don't have the ambiance of like an actual college football game. So I, I don't know. It was still nice when, when they went out and scored 17 unanswered to start the game. I was shocked. I thought I was living in a twilight zone. The one thing, I mean, I still think starting Rocky Lombardi, I mean, he had a very nice team, and I actually liked the way they used him. They finally got him involved in the running game. I, it Like, you won. I get it. You can't start Rocky if you're looking towards the future. Is that just me? Well, I think what it is is kind of like, I, if this makes sense, I don't really think there's much harm in riding Rocky out the rest of the year. Because I would agree. I would agree. He is the leader of the team, or at least on offense. And, like, I mean, yeah, you could put Theo Day or Peyton Thorne in there for a little bit, you know, and we've seen a little bit of Thorne um, in the Indiana game, right? But it's just I, – I, I don't really see the harm necessarily in riding out Rocky because at this point him and Mel have somewhat of a relationship to where it's like, there's a mutual respect. Mel is just saying, Hey, like this whole year is an asterisk. Anyway, I'm going to ride you out. And then next year we'll figure it out. And I think that was a, you know, it ended up being a reason the Spartans won. You mentioned Lombardi played fantastic, but you also bring up a funny point about there not being the ambiance of a full college season, because the same people who were going crazy and wild about this win were the same exact people who last week were like, Oh, thank God the Spartans don't have to play today. Oh, no, yeah. for sure. I didn't. I I thought when right. I, I like this was a spot I thought Michigan State was actually going to play well because they didn't play last week with the whole COVID cases with Maryland and Northwestern coming off a big win and, and being in the top ten of the college football playoff rankings. You you figured Michigan State would play him tight. I didn't think they would be up seventeen to nothing. I also didn't think Rocky Lombardi was starting. I, the reason I say like you can't start Lombardi. 
like you said, it's a quarantine year. Like, I mean, COVID year, whatever, however you want to phrase it. You need to give these younger guys a look before yeah. you get into next year. You just do. And, and I don't think they gave – like, Thorne came into the Indiana game, what, 24 nothing. Like, I uh, – like It took a while. And, and as good as Rocky played yesterday, and I – he he just he was very inaccurate yesterday, and, and I don't know if it was the miscommunication with the wide receivers or something, but he just doesn't have that touch. No, like he really doesn't, and that's fine. That's fine if you're going to use him the way they used him yesterday, where they like, hey, we're going to get him involved in a running game, which I, I, I which I really liked. And he, I'll say this, he played horrible the last two games. He obviously was dealing with some sort of injury because his mobility yeah, yesterday. Sure was completely different i no, i agree and i mean i think you know whatever not to go back too far but i think part of that was you know playing iowa the whole homecoming thing i think he kind of felt some pressure there uh, you know compounded with the fact he was probably hurt but look there was a play i i know you'll remember what i'm talking about was i believe it was in the fourth quarter and he hit jalen naylor over the middle i think it was on third down but it was at naylor's feet like if he if he leads them there you might be in the end zone so it's it's just one of those things you mentioned. You didn't really have the touch, but I mean, I will say this. I, I, do you think he didn't just buy himself the rest of the season? Cause I think he did. Like, I, I just, yeah. what's the point at this point? What is the point of sitting them? And I want to ask you this. And I mean, what are the possibilities as the the thought of like, you know, Ohio state's kind of dealing with some stuff now knows you know what the rest of the big Ten's gonna look like is bowl eligibility completely out of the question now as far as a two and three i that's something i was gonna ask you too and you kind of cut out there for a little bit but i got the gist what you're saying i he i do think he's bought himself the rest of the season i do um which i don't necessarily agree with because i don't think he's necessarily the guy going forward either so i i and I'll give Rocky Lombardi a lot of credit. He, I mean, the way he played at Indiana and Iowa, you could have folded after that, could have completely lost his confidence. And, and, and he played confident yesterday. You got to give him the credit. I mean, he that throw he made to Jalen Naylor, right on the money. Right on the money for like 40 yards. The throw he made to Jaden Reed in the back to the end zone to go up 17-0, right on the money. Every well, and that, you know, to go up 17-0, just real quick, that's what won you the game. I mean, obviously yes. they made plays – they made plays down the stretch, but coming out and punching Northwestern in the face like that, going up 17-0 against a team like Michigan State, I think was our averaging the, the fewest yards per game on offense in the Big Ten. And the second fewest was Northwestern. Like they don't score, they don't score many points. They play great defense. So if you're able to go up 17-0, I think that just gassed them up. And what was it, 17-6 at halftime? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, you, you go into halftime, you ride it out a little bit. Obviously, Northwestern took the twenty to seventeen lead, but I mean, you just stay composed, you keep it close, and then I mean, this is what I always say about the Detroit Lions: like if it's close, you give your quarterback a chance to win. And Rocky did make a couple plays, and the defense played fantastic, and you you just ended up winning the game. So it's one of those things where it's like I, I credit Mel Tucker the most for the win, but. To your point about Rocky, I mean, he did look really confident yesterday, even though he wasn't super accurate with the ball, but he made throws when it mattered. I think my uncle sent me this uh, last night, and he was completely right. I think the biggest takeaway from this game is these the win against Michigan and the win against Northwestern will help Michigan State in recruiting, I think, the most. 
I, I, I think all this COVID, like the product on the field, I think you, you're going to see guys get developed and stuff. And that's why I kind of have a problem with Rocky Lombardi getting all the snaps at QB, because I think you need to take a look at Thorne and maybe even Day. Because if not, like, and maybe you got to go out and find someone in the transfer portal if you want to compete at a serious level in the next couple of years. But I, 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 I think that these games just like kind of justify and kind of not, not show what Mel Tucker's going to do because I don't think he's going to consistently just beat top 10 teams, especially with the talent and the roster they have at this point of his tenure. But it gives like, hey, this is what we're building towards. And hey, this is the cre- like, this gives us some credence. So I think that's probably the biggest takeaway you can get from a win like this and, and beating Michigan earlier in the year. It's kind of funny. Michigan State's like one of three teams with two top 15 wins in the country. It's like Alabama and like someone else. Georgia. It's Alabama yeah. and Georgia. It's pretty funny. It makes me laugh, actually. But. You also mentioned this. I, I I don't know how the bowls are going to work this year. There's a lot of the smaller bowls and the East Coast bowls have been canceled. So I don't know. I, I mean, Michigan State plays Ohio State next week. That game's up in the air as Ohio State has COVID cases. But the last game of the year is against Penn State, which is very winnable. Very winnable. It, it very win- I mean, they beat Michigan yesterday, but – I mean, Penn State has some weapons, but they have a lot of injuries, a lot of opt-outs. They're not the same Penn State team we thought that we would see coming into the season. So that's a winnable game for Michigan State. And if they go, what, three and four, I, I bet they would get a bowl. Just uh, uh, like looking at the outland, I mean, that landscape of the Big Ten. Like, they probably would do yeah. that. Well, also, in, right. in the, the people who decide these things put a lot of stock into what your wins are your resume and that kind of thing and we just talked about how you know jokingly but it is a real thing that the spartans have multiple wins against ap top 15 teams which is outrageous to say but um granted one of them was michigan and they are no longer ranked but um i do think the spartans beat penn state i really do so i i mean we'll see when we get there we got to see what happens against ohio state next week there's no chance the the spartans beat the buckeyes but that again could be another measuring stick game, sort of, and you can see see where you're at, kind of try to build a little confidence if you hang in there with them for a couple quarters or something like that. And then maybe we'll see more quarterback play next week from Theo Day or Peyton Thorne. I don't know, but yeah, I just I, think yeah. Penn, they look terrible. It's kind of it's kind of disappointing as a as like a fan and someone who like roots for the big 10 not during the season but like to do well in general and it's just i i'm i'm at a loss for words with penn state quite honestly they did spank yeah. michigan though yeah michigan looks terrible I, and i i don't know what they do with Harbaugh. we kind of talked about that two weeks ago but i mean we'll see at the end of the season but one little storyline that i keep forgetting is i'm pretty sure michigan state and the rest of the big 10 has a ninth game scheduled during the Big Ten Championship where they play their cross-division oh. opponent with a similar record and similar standings in the conference. So, I mean, say Michigan State loses Ohio State then beats Penn State, they have an opportunity to get the 500. And like I said, I don't know how many bowls are available. There might not be enough bowls available for, like, Big Ten teams, but if you're 4-4, four and four, I, I mean, in a regular, yeah. in, in regular sort of, like – landscape with bowls like the regular bowls having availability michigan state would probably get a bowl but i i don't know how and many- in a power five conference too 
because I saw the pinstripe bowl already got canceled. So I don't know. And it, it would help them a lot to get more practice because Mel Tucker hasn't had a lot of time yeah. with his roster and this like makeup. So I, it would definitely help going forward. But well, also, if you told if you told, you know, us back after that Rutgers loss, even that the Spartans would end up being bowl eligible. I mean, that that is such a win for the season. We yeah. talked before the season even began. We were like, what are your expectations? expectations are nothing you know anything the spartans do this year is yes icing on the cake already because of the the situation mel tucker was put in with such a late you know uh he took the job over so late from d'antonio in february and then had no time to recruit and had no time to practice and then wasn't going to play a season and then was going to play a season it's just like wild ups and downs which is a microcosm of what the year has been it's either you're getting blown out or you're winning close games so it's 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 interesting, man. We'll see. And, and if you look at the Big Ten West, the teams with the similar record as the Spartans, two and three, are Minnesota, Purdue, and Illinois. So that those could all be those are all winnable games there for the Spartans, should you get there. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, next week the Spartans are set to take on Ohio State at Spartan Stadium. Games in question. Ohio State got a bunch of COVID cases on Friday. But Ohio State basically needs to play this Michigan State game because yeah. they need to be eligible for the Big Ten championship game. So expect Ohio State to try and play at any means necessary. So I, I mean, also if if Ohio State isn't really at full strength, they can still absolutely spank. Yes. State. Let's just be real about it. Yeah. I mean, like get get all the red shirts that haven't been really around the draft. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. I mean, like I, that's what I'm saying though. It could be interesting to see who who Ohio State has if they play that Saturday because they could have some major. Just like, all right, they only got 44 scholarship players that suited up, right? Like something like that. Like, so I I don't know. That'll be interesting. I don't think they will play on Saturday, but I also think they'll amend that Big Ten rule. But for Michigan State, huge one against Northwestern and a huge one for Mel Tucker. So, I mean, but it, it started off a good day of Michigan State sports. Just basically right after 8 o'clock, Michigan State played Notre Dame and MSU took down Notre Dame 80 to 70. It wasn't even that close. That was their second win of the week. They beat Eastern earlier in the week behind Foster having his career high 20 points, winning 83-67, to which wasn't that close either. But back to the Notre Dame game, Aaron Henry has 14 points, eight rebounds, three assists. Hauser, I thought, was probably the best player last night at 10 points, 16 rebounds, four assists. Just dominated the glass in the first half when Notre Dame went to the zone. Rocker Watts at 13 also. I mean – my immediate reaction after these first two games is this team's got a lot higher of a ceiling than I thought. Yeah. I mean, I guess you'd have to say so now just because, and I'm with you after you beat a team like Eastern who was, I think they were down six or seven players. Like I don't hold me to that, but they, they, they were sat, very, they like eight players who could play due to COVID. Right. So. Very thin rotation. And Tom Izzo tipped his hat to their program for still going through and playing the game. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's just one that gasses up your tires right away. But then you also – you play Notre Dame, who not a great team, but obviously, I mean, could beat you. It's feasible. And the Spartans spanked them. You're exactly right. Uh, it wasn't really a 10-point win. It was like a 20-point win. Uh, you take your foot off the gas a little bit in the second half. We've seen the story a million times. The Spartans went on a 26-0 run, extending from the last six minutes of the first half into the first three, four minutes of the second half. And it was incredible to watch. Defensively, they were just Tesla's quote after the game was we were well, he was like, We were fun to watch, and I don't say that that often. He's like, We were fun to watch. 
And Callens, you just brought up a great point. The, the big thing for me as I was sitting there was it was crazy watching this team play defense, especially on the interior, because yeah. I mean, nothing, nothing was coming easy. The Spartans had 10 blocks in the first half alone. Uh, I think Aaron Henry had four of them. Marcus Bingham had three of them. Like these guys are just getting their hands on everything. And even if they're not, they're altering every single shot that goes at the, goes at the rim. And it was, I mean, you, you get a little luck with the whistle too. I mean, nothing was going Notre Dame's way for about a seven, eight minute stretch spanning over two halves. And it was spectacular to watch. You brought up a great point about Joey Hauser. I think he really settled in and was the Spartans best player on Saturday. You're right. But Aaron Henry also looked aggressive uh, after having, you know, a little bit of an underwhelming performance against Eastern, although he didn't really have to do much. Um, But this was a game that, I mean, Rocket Watts looked great too. Joshua Langford still has a little bit, you know, to go, but he definitely looks like he's back athletically and the team just put together a full 40 minute game and looked fantastic. So now you look forward to Duke, but um, I mean, as far as this game goes, uh, Foster lawyer, only three points. That wasn't really shocking to me because I feel like, you know, the way he, he really exploited Eastern Michigan's zone defense yeah. and a lot of those shots were open and he got hot and, you know, you better believe if he, it doesn't matter who it's against. It doesn't matter if it's against Eastern Michigan. It doesn't matter if it's against, Michigan to win a share of the Big Ten title. If Foster Lawyer is hot, the team's going to feed him. They're just going to find a way to get him the ball. So, I mean, I guess those are my main takeaways from this one. I, I was just really impressed with the defense. Uh, I and and Foster he looked really good against Eastern, and I think he looked good against Notre Dame. I mean, he didn't force anything. He looked comfortable. He right. obviously looked stronger, and I think a little even a little bit quicker. Like yeah. he looks like he belongs more out there just physically. We're up to speed for sure. Yeah. And the one guy I'm just shockingly impressed. I mean, Bingham what's really yes. good. Yep. And he's both games now. He's done way more than the stat sheet showed. Uh, he's played 15 minutes in both games, six points in the first game, seven points in the second game. But he just looks bigger, stronger, more yeah. confident. And he hasn't even attempted a three yet. That was his thing. That was supposed to be his thing for the first, you know, two seasons here in East Lansing. He was supposed to be a great shooter. And obviously that, that didn't really come to fruition, but so far this season in two games and 30 minutes of play, he has not attempted one three. He's really banging bodies down low. And I think that's going to end up helping the Spartans, by the way, Michigan state has like seven players in the front court that are vying for playing time. It's, yeah. it's so, it, it is such a fun storyline to keep an eye on. Cause it's like, okay, Thomas Kithier has started both games so far. I don't think anyone saw that coming. I think everyone thought it'd be Malik Hall or Bingham. So, and Kithier's looked good too. Kithier, yeah, uh, he he's looked like he's put on a little bit of weight. I like Kithier. I think he fits really good on the offense. He just he he's a good passer and he has good feel for the game. But I mean, if Bingham's gonna play like he did those first two, I mean, he was hitting turnaround, ten foot turnarounds, blocking everything in sight, dunking like uh, he he looks much improved and looks like a weapon for this Michigan State team. I don't know how many minutes you can get out of him because he's a big dude and, and, and he just doesn't have that stamina. Uh, I, I think Hauser really settled in the second game, though. You really saw – and he wasn't making shots either. Uh, but both games, he didn't really get what, what really sets him apart for most people, his three-point shot. He didn't get that to fall once, basically. But he just – he's a – the one thing I I didn't really expect, he's huge. Like yeah. he, he's long. He's a big dude. And he's taking a tip for Michigan State to start the game. Like, yeah. 
So, like, if Michigan State wants to throw small, he could play five easily. And then you can have Malik Hall at the four, or and then you can have Henry, Langford, Rocket, or Foster, or whatever. I, I, I mean, I've been impressed with basically almost everyone on the team. I think Rocket started a little bit slow, but he'll find his kind of niche. I, I, I don't know how they use him. I think they should start him, maybe not at point guard, maybe have Langford come off the bench. Have a little bit more experience, who who who, who can understand that role more? Because like Rockets, a, like he he's a runaway train when he gets the ball. Like yeah. he, I mean, he can get his own against anyone, and he just needs to get cooked in a little bit. And you saw that at the end of the year. But uh, my my immediate thoughts is this team is ceiling is a lot higher than I thought. I think this team's a top ten team in the country all year. And TB, I think Tuesday. Oh yeah, wait, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Go ahead. Okay, sorry, it, it cut out for a sec. But uh, you you mentioned something interesting about Joey Hauser. He is like huge. Like I, I have something I didn't really see was you like know, the scouting three. report. On, well, the <laughs> scouting report on this guy is he's like he, he shoots threes and he's a kind of a stretch four five whatever. And he's a finesse player, like a Chris Bosh type guy. No, like he 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 had 16 rebounds yesterday yeah, against Notre Dame. Like. He he bumps down low, and I I did not see that happening. So that that's awesome to see because uh, that's an area where the Spartans, you know, obviously with Tillman leaving, that's an area for concern. Um, is is how who's going to rebound, who's going to play interior defense like that? He looked fantastic. Uh, Hauser did, but you know, to the Rocket Watts point, he's a downhill player and he's he's fantastic, and I think that's why Izzo has him coming off the bench right now because he just quarterbacks the second unit basically and Gabe Brown also has been fantastic shooting the three ball he was only one of five against Notre Dame but he hit four of them against Eastern and all his all his looks are good and he's a lefty too which I like I just like the edge but he and Rocket Watts I think coming in for the second unit that's going to work all year unless Tom Izzo wants to switch it to the point where and Rocket Watts has been dealing with a nagging I think an ankle or a knee so I think that's kind of why Foster's been starting compounded with the fact that Foster is like a leader and a captain and he just, you know, he's always prepared to play. Uh, not saying Rocket isn't, but um, so, I mean, if anything, I think that's the biggest area for um, to, to keep an eye on for Michigan state as the season goes, like who knows Foster lawyer might not start against Duke. And even if he does start, I don't know how much he's actually going to play just because against some of these ACC big 10 teams, like the more athletic teams in the country, I just don't see him. And that's not even a knock on him. It's just that, Rocket Watts kind of has defensively, especially yes. the ability, the ability to stay in front of these guys and hang with them. So, I mean, who knows other than that, the, the, like we said, the front court has like six guys who are, who are vying for playing time and Madi Sissoko, who I think looks awesome so far. I'm excited to watch him play. He's so raw, but I mean, he's, he's taken shots back in three minutes. Yeah. He gets three minutes of playing time and he gets two blocks. I'm like, Holy cow. But, um, I mean, so yeah, you, you could see a you could see a change in the starting lineup with you know Kithier or uh, I mean Hauser will probably start all year, but Malik yeah. Hall I could see him getting a couple starts. I could see Marcus Bingham getting a couple starts if he continues on this trajectory. A really deep team right now, and, and I know it's early, but um, when you're trying to work out the kinks in the arm or you're trying to work out the rotation, this team looks really deep. And to that point, Collins, I agree with you. I think this is a top ten team all year long. I I just I'm genuinely shocked because I thought point guard would be a bigger issue, 
And I know Notre Dame and Eastern are not. I mean, like Michigan State was a nine-point favor going into the last night against Notre Dame. This isn't like a vintage Mike Bray team. It's not. Uh, it's like them dominating them is not like super super impressive. But they had like fifty-three assists on sixty shots like made. I mean, that's just typical Michigan State basketball. Yeah. I just I just didn't realize how good this front court's going to be, and it really it, this front court's going to be probably one of the best in the Big Ten. If you can, I mean, Wisconsin's probably got the best front court in the Big Ten with Reavers and Potter, but I mean, it, it's going to be an issue. Like they're they're a tough matchup because they can play any style of game in the front court this year. They really can. If you want to go super big, you throw Bingham out. If you want to play a little bit more finesse, you play Hauser at the five, Hall at the four. And if you want to just kind of play like, okay, we want a guy who knows how to play the zone. You go Hauser, Kithier. Because they both have a really good feel for the game and they're good passers, so I, I, I mean, that that's a huge weapon for this team, and and I think Rocket and Foster that will figure itself throughout the season. And it's Michigan State basketball. When I say they're a top ten team the whole year, that doesn't mean they're not going to have struggles because Tom Izzo loves to just create adversity. So yeah, they'll, they'll no, be, it, it always happens. Book it. It always happens. Games. There'll be a couple of games where they throw a couple stinkers out. There'll be a game where Michigan State's like, say they're up like twenty to ten, and Izzo does a full full sale change, doesn't want to blow the team out, and they let him back in the game. There'll be stuff like that. But right now, first two games, uh, if you're a Michigan State fan, I don't know how, if you could be happier because this team looks like they're talent wise going to have the ability to compete at a very, very high level. Like, I didn't think they had the ceiling to possibly contend for a Final Four this year. I think they do now. And, 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 yeah, and for a ceiling, for sure. Like they said, this is – I mean, they play Duke on Tuesday, tomorrow, and you're going to see a lot more against elite talent. But, I, like, just from the eye test and watching Michigan State basketball the last, like, 15 years of my life, this team looks, like, just as talented as really good Michigan State teams look. So I, I was very impressed the first two games. Well, they do look that way, and they're 2-0. and So it's it, we, you don't want to oversell these wins, like you said. Uh, I think Duke is going to be a real test. Even if you don't win that game, just like, you know, don't don't lose by 15 because that would really take the wind out of a lot of people's sails. I don't think they are. I, I mean, it, you're not going – I don't in, either. You're not going into Cameron with, like, the crazies and all that. But, I mean – Right. Plus, this is not – this is such a – Oh, I don't want to say fool's gold with Coach K because it's going to bite me in the ass. But, like, I don't think this – This is dude's best team, I'll say that. No, no, not at all. And Michigan State, you know, two years ago – I know it's a completely different team, but Michigan State two years ago beat Duke's best team. So, I think, there, you know, there's still some guys from that squad on this one. So, I I don't – I think the confidence is there. Uh, and and they're two and a half. in a row, Michigan State's played Duke, too. Which it's is a treat. Year. Which is a yeah. treat. If you're a Spartan fan or just a college basketball fan, that is awesome to get those out-of-conference matchups with the Blue Bloods like that. But Duke has only played one game, uh, and, and Michigan State's played two. I'm not going to act like that's a huge yeah. difference. But you look at the adjustments the Spartans have made uh, kind of in these first two games, and I I think, you know, if, had they just come right off the Eastern game, who knows if if the – if the Duke uh, game would end up being so, and and we don't really know. That's what's fun about this. I have no idea what's going to happen. The Spartans could blow them out. The Spartans could get blown out. It's so early in the season that we have no idea what's going to happen. I think the Spartans will win. And I'll say by like six to 10 points, but I don't know. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. It's going to be a really fun one to watch champions, classic Kentucky and Kansas also playing each other in Indianapolis, which game is that game must be after this one. 
Yeah, I think Michigan State historically always plays the early game. I think they play yeah. Kentucky. Seven thirty tip. Yeah, I think they play Kentucky one year in the nine o'clock game, but usually that's the case. But I mean, it's cited. That I mean, that's something you look forward to all year. It kind of sucks that I mean, just like COVID, you're just dealing with the punches at this point. Another yeah. event that's kind of been affected by the virus. But hey, it is what it is. Still get to watch Michigan State Duke play every year. Or Michigan State, Kansas, Michigan State, Kentucky. It's an awesome event. I love it. So it's a top five day in college basketball too. Yeah, like yearly. But last thing I want to say about Michigan State, I think Aaron Henry's best defender in the Big Ten, and I I know he might not win that award because there are so many good just like rim protector guys maybe in the league. But I I, I truly think Aaron Henry is the best defender in the Big Ten. He locks people up. You also – and he takes pride in that too, and I think that's something that is really important to keep an eye on as well. He, he loves to play defense. He was talking about that the other day. He's just he's locked in. He thinks it's fun. Like he, he enjoys that. Not many guys like that. And I think if you're a Spartan fan, you can get kind of fired up about, you know, his perimeter defense, Rocket Watts, when he's locked in, plays fantastic. Josh Langford was the best defender that Tom Izzo had two or, two or three years ago. Yeah. So, that I mean, that that's – Definitely something to watch. This team could be scary good on defense. I mean, Virginia-esque, just because of their ability on the perimeter. And then we've already heaped so much praise on what they're able to do inside. So watch out, because the Spartans could – you're exactly right. Aaron, on, Aaron, on the back of Aaron Henry, the Spartans could end up being the best defense in the whole country. We'll see how it plays out. Very early season, but um, 2-0 nonetheless. you got to feel good if you're a Michigan State fan. And before well, like we move on – well, draw ahead, Hank. Sorry. Before before we move on, I want to do a little bit. I want to juice it up a little bit here. I know you guys said it was early in the season, got a high ceiling, but uh, knee jerk reaction, overreaction Monday, whatever you want to call it. Where do you see Spartans finishing in the Big Ten? I think they're. The, this is a year they probably come in third. I mean, the Big Ten's kind of stacked, but I. I mean, I have no problem with saying they are good enough, and, and, and to compete with the Iowa's and Illinois. I think Illinois is probably my favorite in the Big Ten personally. I don't. I was probably at the best player, but I, I don't trust Fran McCaffrey just like throughout the whole season. I don't think he's that good of a coach. I think Michigan will have some, uh, is going to be a little bit better than what people think. I think Purdue, I mean, they're not great this year, but they, they always have something to say about the bid time. I, I, I say this is a top three team in the bid time at worst. And that, and that, that's a, that's an overreaction if you could ever say one. Cause the bid ten, I mean, Michigan State could finish sixth in the bid ten and be a three seed in the tournament. That's just how the bid ten works sometimes. Yeah. The big ten is very, very, very deep, as you just alluded to and kind of detailed it out. But you're exactly right. There's nothing about Iowa that I try. I mean, I know the Spartans don't have Xavier Tillman this year, but. He, he, I mean, he shut him down last year when it mattered. So it, he, he has – Luca Garza has flaws, and I guess that's something that if you're an Iowa fan, you're a little concerned about, but not really. I, I have the Spartans winning the Big Ten. I will say okay. this, though. I don't think – I don't think it's going to be outright, like – or or just by themselves. There's going to be a share of it. I think it'll be like – yeah. I, what what was it last year? Three-team, a three-way tie for the, for the yeah, share of the Big, Big Ten title? I believe it was Maryland, Michigan State, and maybe Purdue. I don't remember. It was not Purdue. Purdue Illinois year. Maybe Illinois. I don't know. I think it might have just been Michigan State and Maryland. Okay. Either way, and the and the Spartans no, did there not. There was someone. There was someone. You're right. We uh, someone. Uh, we'll do some research on that. 
Well, I also don't want to act like the Spartans didn't deserve to win the Big Ten last year. But you remember, I mean, they went on a, I think it was like a three-game losing streak in early, you know, February. And it was just kind of like they had to basically play catch-up there for the last few games of the season and just chase down Maryland. And they did. And they beat Maryland. Uh, So credit where the credit's due. And that big comeback win against Penn State. Look, all it is is this. We know how the season's going to go because it just does every time. Collins, you joke about how – MSU and Purdue. Thank you, Hank. MSU, Purdue, and Maryland, I believe. Three, or was it just two for the Big Ten title just last year? Two, just the two. Just the two. They were sent 16-4, Michigan State, Purdue. And then that was that was a year before. That was a year before when State and Purdue. Oh, you're right. Yep. Michigan played for a share. Yeah, I got the wrong. I got the wrong year in here. Okay. Either way, we have two straight years with a, a share of the Big Ten title, and I think it's a third, just because of how good the Big Ten is. And we've already talked about that. So, yeah, I, I just – I have the Spartans winning the Big Ten, but I don't think they're going to be alone at the mountaintop. Put it that way. Okay. I, I think Illinois is probably the best team in the conference. I really like what Brad Underwood's done. I think Io DeSumo is going to win the Big Ten Player of the Year this year. So, I don't know. That's just my take. But let's move into happy news in the Detroit Lions and Detroit sports world. Matt, Patricia, Bob Quinn, canned – on Saturday after Thanksgiving, I mean, I thought they were going to be gone on Friday morning. I thought it was just going to be like bin, bang, boom. But nope, they, uh, both of them gone. And, and I'm not going to like, like, I'm going to celebrate a little bit. And, and you kind of saw champagne. that. You pop champagne? I, not actually, but I'm, I'm going to. Metaphorically. But what's I called? celebrated. Like my mom was like, Ryan, he's got a family. These people have families and stuff. I understand that. But when you look on Twitter – and you see the ex-players going yes. after Patricia and Quinn like they were. I've never seen anything like that. I, I, well, I it like, I've seen it with college coaches every once in a while when they like, yeah, he's kind of a snake. Like when that all comes out, and then everyone just like the news comes flooding in. But like, the way that like Ashawn Robinson, Travis Fulgham, you had Glover I mean, Quinn, yeah, like Charles Washington. A bunch of guys, Eric Ebron, Darius Slay, like a bunch of guys. I yeah, I'm surprised Quandre did didn't say anything. Maybe he did. I didn't even check his Twitter. I bet he did. But like the amount of guys that you just like basically said like this guy stunk and and, and didn't treat us right. It, I mean, it's hard not to celebrate that. I'm sorry, dude. Like if yeah. you treat people poorly, and, and I saw T.J. Lane say this. I he thinks Patricia and Twin are both good guys. It just never was going to work, and that might be the case. Because uh, the Patriot way is not going to work in Detroit. It's just not. Oh, I'm so glad. I mean, this this took it took a while for this to hit me. We're not going to have to hear that anymore. Like, nope. we're not even gonna, we're not going to have to hear, hear the media use that term. We're not going to have to hear the announcers and Chris Myers use that term. No, nope. the Patriot way is dead. It's only going to be used in the context of what the roster looks like right now. It's not going to be used in the context of what the Lions are trying to do. And Collins, you're exactly right. They have families, and this was their job, and they lost their job, and that stinks. But we are allowed as sports fans to expect better. The Ryan Rabinowitz Memorial right there. We can expect better because we put money into the franchise. We put our heart and soul into this. And not to mention the Detroit Lions have stunk forever. So this is a huge, huge moment for this team, especially because – and this organization – because – Sheila Ford Hamp fired a coach midseason. I just have to throw that out there. In her first year as, as the owner, you know, the, the woman at the helm, 
she did what all the fans wanted her to do. And I forget who it was on Twitter brought up a really good point about, you know, it takes especially in a season where there's no fans in the arena because you better believe, you know, and that these all, all the Lions home games so far, Patricia would have been getting booed off the field. And if you're the owner, I mean, that kind of stuff, that sometimes that helps uh, that resonate with you. You're like, oh, okay, everyone actually does hate this guy. So I don't know. I, I just have to tip my hat to Sheila Fordham for actually doing something that's going to move this franchise forward. And if you're a Lions fan, like a Lions diehard like we are, that just gets you fired up knowing that it's not the same old Ford way of, oh, we'll keep him around for literally no reason. So now you've got Daryl Bevel as your interim head coach for five weeks. I will be very interested to see how the Lions play next Sunday against the Bears because it's a conference – or not a conference, a division rival on the road. And, I mean, if this team comes out with some fight, even – I mean, I, I think we all are kind of past the idea that the Lions are going to keep winning games because they're, they're terrible. I don't know if you want to talk about the Thanksgiving Day game at all, but it's just – if the Lions play inspired under Daryl Bevel, it will be such – a sweet moment for a lot of Lions fans, even though I know a lot of Lions fans want the team to lose. Yeah. I don't know where I'm at now because I, the reason I, I, I said this on the Motown rundown, I was rooting for the Houston Texans sort of on Thanksgiving and, and emotions trying to take over when the Lions have the throwbacks right. on. I'm, I'm kind yeah. of, I'm, I'm actually yeah. kind of rooting for Lions. This is how I am. I, I talk all this talk and then we get the game time. And I'm like, Oh, number nine looks good out there. But I, I I'll say this. I think the most interesting part about this firing is the new regime and they have a lot of big decisions yep. to make. And, and no, the number one decision is Matthew Stafford and what you do with them, because I mean, he hasn't been great this year, but I mean, there's a lot of things around him that are, I mean, their wide receivers this year have been horrible without holiday in the lineup. This offense has completely been different. And I, I think you can, it, there's proof in the pudding that you need to pay Kenny Galladay if you want to stay competitive the next couple of years. If that's if that's the plan, like if your plan is to stay with Stafford and be like, hey, we're gonna try and be competitive right off the bat, or if their plan is say, hey, let's completely blow it up, let's completely rebuild. I I, I hope it's the former and the latter of what I just said, but I mean, I as a lion slappy, I love Matthew Stafford and I would hate to see him on another team and be super successful. That's just me, but I, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what I would do personally, but I, they have some huge decisions and, and people are talking about maybe possible candidates. I think the GM position is much more important than what I they're agree. doing at the head coach position. Like, yeah, like I, I, you can't obviously hire a buffoon like you did with Matt Patricia, Yes, but, but like the GM, especially in this franchise at this stage of it, the GM is a more important hire. So don't don't screw that up. No, I, I agree. I mean, your general manager is where it all starts because then I would imagine he'll be a part of the, the 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 head coach search. And I think Sheila said something along the lines of, um, "We will do a very thorough search for this head coach position." And I think what that essentially was was a backhanded compliment, not, not a, just a backhanded slap at Patricia. Like, Oh, we just kind of hired the, the new Belichick, you know, offspring is all we did. We didn't really look and, you know, take it a step further and actually look at who from a football standpoint is going to be best to lead this team. And I will be damned if the lions hire another defensive minded guy, unless his name's Robert Sala, because I think he's fantastic. But look, I, 
it's a little too early to do the candidates thing. I think everyone has heard the name Eric Bieniemy, and everyone kind of wants that. But I don't really don't know if the Lions are going to be able to lure him in. I think you know he's looking at maybe like a Philadelphia or something like that if Doug Peterson yeah. loses his job. But I don't know. Whatever. It, it's it's a little too early to do that kind of stuff. But it's fun to entertain those thoughts. Look, the bottom line is you just cannot bring in another defensive-minded guy. You, I, I, Matthew Stafford's best season, single best season, was 2016 or 2011 under Jim Schwartz uh, when the Lions passed, I think, 67% of the time. And then 2016 under Jim Caldwell, an offensive-minded guy. So I think you definitely need to go in that direction. And I, I am kind of concerned about this defense now because – I mean, not that I wasn't beforehand, but now you're tooled with all these expatriates and you're, you're tailored to play a specific way, which is stop the run and be big and be slow. You know, you think about like Danny Shelton, Jamie Collins, Jelani Tavai, Willa Harris, all these Quinn guys that like you just don't really <laughs> – I mean, who knows if they're going to carry into the next regime. The problem is you're paying them all this money. So I just – your point about Stafford, I, I you guys know how I feel about Matthew Stafford. I, I think he has to be here. Uh, me and my brother Brock, after the Thanksgiving Day game, we kind of sat down and we're like, okay, let's go through this. Like, who are what is the list of Lions players who absolutely 100% need to be on the team next year? And there's a list of like nine guys, you know. And uh, we we both put Matthew Stafford as one of them, but obviously it, it's not that simple. You have to entertain the thought that he's getting a little older, and you're gonna have to pay him again and all that kind of stuff. I think if 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 Stafford gets too similar offers I think he would take the Lions but whatever he's got one more year on his contract uh and, and we'll be talking about this all year for the rest of the season you know the future of this team the future of Matthew Stafford but I, I I guess I'll close with this I think the general consensus from the outside looking in is that Matthew Stafford is better than he gets credit for I think that it, it, unless you're just one of those fantasy football fans who doesn't really watch any football other than your own team um you know, I, Matthew Stafford kind of goes under the radar in that aspect. But for the analysts and the football executives and people in the front offices, I think the general consensus for years now has just been that Matthew Stafford doesn't get the credit he deserves and you can win with this guy. And I just hope as a Lions fan, as a Matthew Stafford fan, whoever comes next as your general manager, head coach combo, the new regime, I really do hope that they hang on to Matthew Stafford and try to retool what's around him. Cause you got like a three or four window three or three or four year window um, of Stafford playing at least, you know, B plus football. So that's where I'm at. I'll say this. I think if the the decision is to rebuild and then they decide to keep Stafford, I would hate that. If you're done, yeah, you have to pick a lane. You have to pick, pick a, a lane. lane. Just pick a lane. I, I, and like, like you said, Trent, I actually, I don't hate that. Like, Hey, here's two years, Matt. We're going to give you two years, yep. maybe give you a year extension if we can't get it right around you, which I think it's going to take some time. So I, I don't think you can necessarily do it, but if you want to ride with them for another two years and be like, if not, we're going to completely blow it up. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate if they draft a quarterback in the first round this year, late to uh, be someone Stafford could groom or maybe someone they could have as a trade piece. I wouldn't hate that. Like, I, like if Justin Fields say the lions lose out or something and Justin Fields just pops into your lap, why not take them? Yeah. So I, I I don't know, but let's move on to the NFL pits. Get our producer Hank back in the mix. Hank, I I think I saw in the doctor. Are we starting fresh. Did I win the first half of the pick'em? Yeah. You know what? We'll just we'll just call the first half for you. I think we're probably pretty close to that midway point of the season, anyways. 
so, passed it, but yeah. Oh, we passed it. Yeah, whatever. It works out. Well, if, I mean, if we do the playoffs, we're about yeah, right yeah. at the midway point, so we're good. Yeah, it, I it was. Percent. How about that? Yeah, um, yeah, we, we'll do it that way because it got pretty jumbled there for a little bit. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of shuffling pieces with the the uncertain times, but you know we're still rolling. We're rolling with the punches, so we'll get right into it then. First game, we got the Raiders favored minus three, traveling to play the Falcons. Ooh. Um, the Raiders. Ah, uh, the Raiders are. You see, they're they're interesting. Uh, but they are a good team, and the Falcons aren't. So I'll pick the Raiders to cover. I guess. Uh, close went close loss against the Chiefs. That was a really exciting game. I'll take Vegas. Uh, give me Vegas. I I really like what Vegas has been doing. I'm a Drew guy. I've said since day one. Uh, give me the Raiders. All right, next game, we got the Chargers traveling to play the Bills. The Bills favored, minus four and a half at home. Uh, the Chargers just have not been able to get in the win column. Uh, Justin Herbert's had a few great games, um, and he's looked really solid all year, but they just haven't been able to, you know, have any wins to show for. A lot of close losses, though, and that's what I'm going to say here. I think they lose by a field goal, cover the spread here. Uh, I, I really do like the Bills, though. The Bills are kind of my AFC team over the years, you know, them and the Browns. I, I really like Josh Allen. And I like the I still like the Bills to win that division despite the Dolphins kind of coming on strong. But um I think the Chargers make it close and cover. I will say this to all of our listeners, if I didn't mention this, we are recording this on Sunday before the games. So this is a little revisionist revisionist history. Yeah, yeah basically when, when you listen to this, you can just laugh at how how stupid yeah, how are. bad our pits are. So yeah. I think that's a, a slight entertainment factor to this. And I you know what I'm gonna take the Chargers. I think the Chargers I think they get Eckler back this week, too. I could be incorrect, but... I, I like, saw something about that, I think, yeah. Yeah, I, I love Herbert. I just love Herbert. And the Bills, I, every time they play someone somewhat competent, they struggle. They just yeah, do. that's and, true. And, and, and the Chargers might... Uh, I mean, to some people, are not competent. But, I, I mean, I think Herbert could exploit the Buffalo Bills secondary, which I don't think is that great. Next game, the Giants favored minus six. Travel to play the Burwell as Bengals. This line is horrible. I know the Giants aren't really a good team, but look, the Bengals stink. The only reason they're not winless this season is because Joe Burrow was going off. This defense is horrible. I'll I'll take the Giants to cover the six. Are you kidding me? I don't know. Kyle's, what do you think? I'm going to take Giants. I think they went big. Uh, I I think – Ryan Finley's not even starting for the Bengals. I believe it's like Brandon Allen, a guy who used to play at Arkansas. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this belt, this this seems like a Bengals team that's gonna like lose out, get like maybe the first or second pick in the draft, and, and go from there. So, uh, give me the I mean, the Giants are fighting for a division title still. Like they're still playing meaningful football. So, uh, give me the Giants. Next game, we got the Colts at home, favored minus three with the. Playing against the Tennessee Titans. Love the Titans. Love the Titans. I don't know if they'll actually win. Obviously, three is a pretty small line, but I just like the Titans. I like Derrick Henry. I've been saying all year I don't buy the Colts stock, uh, and nothing's going to change my mind at this point. I just like Tannehill more than Rivers as well. So g- give me the Titans. Uh, you know what? Give me the Colts. I They're, they're just kind of stingy. You don't really think they're that good, and their defense makes a couple big plays every game, and then River. It just seems like Rivers and the run game just does enough. I don't think they have Jonathan Taylor today. I believe he tested positive for COVID, so he won't be playing for them. But they always figure it out. Like Naheem Himes could have a big game. 
the Colts are just one of those teams where it's like, I don't know how they keep on winning. I don't think they're that good, but they do. So give me the Colts. Next game is homecoming for Teddy Two Gloves. The Panthers travel to play the Vikings. Favorite minus three at home, Skull Vikes. Hank, what, what, what's the pick? I'm picking whatever you're picking. I'm going Vikes today, all day. Okay, so give me, the Vikes. give me the Vikes, Hank. I'm, I'm riding with you. Yeah, you know, I think a big key to victory when the Lions played the Panthers was the Lions needed to run the ball down the Panthers' throat because the Panthers' run defense is not that good. Lions obviously didn't do that, got shut out 20-0, to zero, and that kind of sealed Matt Patricia's fate, and then Thanksgiving was icing on the cake, so to speak. So I'm going to take the Vikes just because of Dalvin Cook, and I think that he has a great game, and Kirk Cousins does enough. I actually think the Vikings win pretty big, but we'll see how it plays out. Next game with the Cardinals, traveling to play the Patriots. Cardinals favored, minus one. Ooh, uh, give me the Patriots. I think this is a spot where the Patriots win. I'm not sold on the Cardinals yet. They, I mean, I love Kyler Murray. I love Kyler. He's very, very good, and he's arguably the MVP right now with the numbers he's put up and how he's taken this Arizona offense to a new level since the addition of DeAndre Hopkins. I just, I, this is a game of the Patriots won. I think the Patriots are going to find a way to make the playoffs. I truly believe that. Well, I've, I've kind of been saying that for weeks too, Collins. That's why I've been picking the Patriots, but I just like the Cardinals in this one. I don't know. The, one of the big question marks coming into the season for the Patriots was that this is a kind of a tough schedule for them obviously as they were the you know they won their division last year with Tom Brady and then you completely switch teams and switch faces and you know Deontay Hightower opts out and a ton of things just come into play and then all of a sudden it's like shoot we still got to play a first place schedule and this is one of those games you look at you're just like I I don't I I will be rooting for Cam Newton to win this one but I, I just think the Cardinals pull it out DeAndre Hopkins too good uh Kyler Murray's too good and Cardinals defense has actually been pretty solid all year. Ben don't break, competent. So I'll put, I'll take the cards. Next game we got the Dolphins traveling to play the winless Jets. Miami favored minus seven. Uh, give me Miami. I just bet against the Jets. Even though Darnold's playing today, and I think that it's like the first time this offense has fully been healthy. Give, give me the Dolphins. I bet too much on the Jets, and I lose every time. Yeah, I'm not sure what the line was last week, but I think the Jets made it interesting against the Chargers, did they not? I think they lost by like yeah. seven or eight points or something like that, and it was it was close. They had a couple leads there, but I'll take the Dolphins as well. I, Miami's kind of on a roll right now. They seem to have figured out their secret sauce with Tua and trying to balance all that. So I just think they do enough to get it done. Seven points is interesting, though. I mean, the Jets are starting to come on strong for whatever reason. They're starting to compete a little better in the last few weeks, but I think the Dolphins get it done. Next game, the Browns travel to play the Jaguars. Browns favored, minus seven. Ooh, seven. Seven's a lot of points, especially yeah. for the Browns, who are not someone who's an Achilles aerial attack. But you know what? Give me the Browns. Maybe Baker has a nice game today. I wish I had my, um, I wish I had my stats in front of me. I, it seems like every game Browns win is by a field goal or it's like 10 to 13 or 13 to 19 or something like that. So I don't think they cover the seven, but they win. They do enough. Uh, so I'll take the Jags to cover. Next game, we got the Saints traveling to play the, I don't know who's playing quarterback for the Broncos. The water boys playing quarterback for the Broncos. Guy played, guy played quarterback at Wake Forest, who's a practice squad wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. I think his name is – his last name is Hinton. He's a quarterback okay. for the Broncos today. I thought it was going to be Elway, but that's that's fine too. 
Anyway, Saints favored minus 15 and a half. Wow. 15. That's a big number, but I mean, did you see also, did you see this? The Broncos are trying to get a quality control coach to be their starting quarterback today. Yeah, yeah I did see that. It was Dude, unbelievable. This is crazy. Like this is a Saint, Saints by a million. I think it'll be interesting. I, I hope I see a couple highlights of just funny plays that happen or whatever, but I mean, what? We got a practice squad receiver under center for the Broncos, not to mention they're missing a couple other guys with COVID. So, and the Saints are rolling, like maybe the best team in the NFC. So, Saints huge, but this this will, this could be a potentially funny game. I mean, I'll how electric this. would it have been to see like this dude, like that coaches, I thought he was like a quarterback's coach. I don't know, but if he just suits up, if he would have suited up today, that would have been hilarious. I would have yeah. loved that. I would have loved that so much. He's got a little gut, maybe. That would have been unbelievable. <laughs> but I, I, I'm taking the Broncos. I have to. This is one of those games where you got to root for the underdog. Shout out Broncos. Well, Let's... I will root for the underdog, but I just don't know. I'm. You're, you're right. It's, it's... Half is a lot of points for Taysom Hill-led Saints team, too. Like, the Broncos have a decent yeah, defense. That's true. That's true. All right, we got the next game. Niners traveling to play the Rams. Rams favored minus five and a half at home. Mm. Ram, uh, nine and a half. Five and a half. Five and a half? Oh, sorry. I didn't, no, I didn't hear that correctly. No, give me the Rams. Yeah, Rams at seven and three now. I think they've solidified themselves atop that division. I don't really know if they're going to end up winning it. Very tough division still with the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Tough race. Um. But I, I like the Rams to win the division. I like the Rams to win today. I think they, they, they've kind of figured it out and gotten back to their, their Todd Gurley ways without Todd Gurley, if that makes sense. I just like Sean McVay offensively, and I think they figure it out against a really banged-up 49ers team that can't seem to catch a break on injuries. And the next game, we got the Chiefs traveling to play the Buccaneers. The Chiefs favored minus three and a half on the road. Uh, you know what? I, I love the Buccaneers in this spot. Love the Buccaneers in this spot. I think this line should be a little bit bigger. I bought someone off another disappointing loss in primetime. Another primetime game. I think everyone's kind of writing off Brady. That's like, hey, he, he can't win the big ones right now. He's just too old. He, he's too depleted. This is a game the Bucs win. I think they're going to be super motivated coming in. Collins, there's an extremely compelling argument to everything you just said. And given the fact that, I mean, we, we pick against the spread here. I mean, the, the Bucs could lose by a field goal and still cover. Yeah. So I'm – I'm, I'm going to pick the Chiefs, though. I just don't – I think the Chiefs are finally hitting their stride this season. But this will be a very fun game to watch, I hope. I hope they give us a shootout, you know, not like that Saints-Buccaneers game and it's 38-3. to You know, no one wants to see that. So give us a good game, please. Next game, we got the Packers traveling to play the Bears. Packers favored minus eight and a half on the road. Mm. Give me the Pack. That's it? That's all you got? Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> okay look i i've been so low on the bears all year i don't think they're good i think they stink but the packers are starting to show their flaw they can't really stop the run and the bears with montgomery i think could maybe get a little something going um and eight and a half is kind of a lot against the bears defense because the bears defense is not going to back down one bit i'll take the bears to cover and you know for the sake of my my hatred for the packers i hope the bears win but um I don't think they actually win. I just think they cover the eight and a half, maybe lose by a field goal, a touchdown, four points, something in between, whatever. But I'll take the Bears to cover. And next game, we got the Seahawks traveling to play the Eagles. Seahawks favored minus six. 
Jalen Hurts taking first team snaps reportedly. Give me the Eagles. I think that the Eagles, they're about, they've played so bad the last like, month. They can't play yeah. worse. They, they played they play bad because they're a bad team. Um, yeah. But you're exactly – Jalen Hurts is in there. That's going to be interesting. What's the – any update on that? As it is now 12-16 as we record this. We're about less than an hour from kick. Whatever. I, it honestly doesn't change my pick. It might change my intrigue to watch the game a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to pick the Seahawks for Russell Wilson. They've kind of tailed off a little bit, but I think they kind of hit their stride a little bit more here against a really – really bad Eagles team uh and they cover the six yeah Russ has not been the same that he was in the first month of the season he struggled Very a little bit more. Yeah. so uh, I mean he couldn't play better than he was in a month but he's kind of taking a step back but they'll be fine I don't know but another good week of the pick them is that every pick we got or do we got that Tuesday game too yeah, yeah we got one more games I was looking I was looking into the Jalen Hurts it, it's it looks like Carson Wentz is going to start still I think but they are saying Hertz has been getting first team snaps. Yeah, they're saying he's going to get a lot of reps, but I'm not sure if he's named a starter yet or not. So, I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll I don't time. know. Doesn't change my pick, but that'll be interesting. Who'd you take, the Eagles? I wasn't listening. Uh, I picked the Seahawks. I oh, took Seahawks. the Eagles. Okay. Next, all right, last pick is the Tuesday night game. They got moved back from Thanksgiving. Ravens traveled to play the Steelers. Steelers favored minus nine and a half at home. Well, Lamar's not playing. I actually don't think this game will be played personally because I th- the Ravens continue to have cases uh, filter in, so I don't think this game will actually be played. But if it is played, I like the Ravens to cover nine and a half. I know RG3 hasn't played meaningful football in a very long time, I, I and I don't know what the makeup of the Baltimore Ravens roster will look like at this point, but defensively, they can still play some football. So I, I think it will be a tight game. Robert Griffin maybe has like one or two good quarters to keep him in it. And then eventually the Steelers win by maybe like a touchdown. I I think the Ravens could cover nine and a half. Yeah. You know, this is an interesting one. The Steelers haven't really won big all year, but they just continue to win. So, I mean, if, if Lamar Jackson was playing, I would definitely pick the Ravens to, to cover the nine and a half. However, I think the line would be smaller if Lamar Jackson was playing. I'm going to pick the Steelers to keep it moving. That front seven is just insane. The Steelers front seven. I think that's what's going to end up winning them the AFC. I got the Steelers beating the Chiefs, but that's a different conversation for a different day. They might go undefeated, dude. Yeah, I think they might. And Mike, Mike Tomlin's an exceptional coach, and that, that front seven is fantastic. So I, I like the Steelers, what they're doing right now. But we'll see. Interesting yeah, we day. A lot, lot of good games today, this week. Yes. Last week it was kind of a bad slate, so this week you get it, kind of get it back, get some better football. But, yeah, that was a good episode of the Green and White Report. and hopefully we'll be able to go back to our time slot on what what are we usually at 11 to 1 hopefully 11 to 1 on Sunday hopefully we can do that remotely I don't know we're gonna roll the punches but we're thankful we get some airtime on Monday at 8 o'clock in the morning so shout out to our programming department really appreciate that shout out Jeremy we really appreciate you guys being flexible But for that, for Ryan Collins, Trent Bally, and Henry Menegos, thank you for listening to Green White Report. We'll see you guys next week.